This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Welcome to MarketScale Pro-AV. I'm your host, Sean Heath. As you're driving around any town in the United States, or really most cities in the world, you notice buildings, you notice, hey, there's a new parking lot. Um, One thing that I think we don't always notice until we decide to notice is the signage that surrounds us. And hey, what happened to that sign? And the more we start to pay attention to the signs around us, the more we realize that the information being presented to us in these static presentations isn't actually really that static. There's a constant evolution happening and signs are refreshed or changed or taken down and new ones are put up. And sometimes the changes are very subtle and sometimes they're not. I'm so happy today to have an opportunity to talk to Courtney McDaniel. She is the Director of Client Services at Kiefer Starlight. Hi, Courtney. How are you today? Hi. Yes, I am so glad to be joining you today. I've been in the industry a long time. Now, you were quite literally born into this industry. What is the odds that your name was almost Starlight McDaniel? (laughs) Well, uh... McDaniel's my married name, but Starlight probably could have been my middle name for sure. Uh, My father has worked for the company since the early 80s. Um, So yeah, when I was a kid, we would, we'd be driving in downtown Dallas and my dad would be pointing out signs that, that he'd helped to manufacture. As a dad myself, I know every opportunity I have to brag to my daughter. I do. So I understand where he's coming from exactly. I would like to talk about, uh, from the beginning here, flipping the timeline on signage um, integration. It seems like timelines are really the bedrock on how you are going to integrate either an an upgrade of a sign or a new um, debut of a sign. How do you approach changing minds with regard to flipping timelines? Well, really, you know, the saying goes, knowledge is power. Um, And if we can help our clients to understand basically that, you know, each city and municipality is going to have their own set of standards, their own sign code, and it may or may not be agreeable to our customers with their specific desires in their signage program. Um, so the earlier in the game that we can that we can be on the lookout and be doing our due diligence and, and researching these codes for these upcoming locations, the earlier the better because we could actually avoid some headache and heartache for these customers if we know for a fact for example that a city that they're looking to go into wouldn't allow like an electronic message center or a poll sign uh, for example. Now you mentioned uh, due diligence that is a crucial element what kind of details go into a permit generally when you're approaching a signage project? The the code for each city is is totally usually unique. Um, you know, one city may go off of the linear footage along the street frontage, um, and then that's how they calculate. You know, how much sign the client could have, or you know, one city may 
uh, factor in the height of the building to determine, you know, how much uh, square footage they could have to divvy for their signs. Um, you know, so knowing knowing that and then knowing, you know, the differences, which we have experts here that handle the submittal process and each city has their own unique you know, either online system or, you know, some we even still have to apply in person. Um, so with that being said, and then, you know, Kiefer Starlight, we have the licenses necessary to be registered as contractors in these cities. So a lot of our clients don't realize really everything that's going into the uh, the obtaining of their, their sign permit. Um, not just anybody off of the street can go and obtain that permit for that sign. When you're going into this process, you at some point have to be some degree of pushy, either pushing back on a customer's uh, initial desire and pushing towards maybe a better design or a better deployment. How pushy is the right amount of pushy? That's a great question. So we have in terms of the cities that that we're dealing with especially here locally in the metroplex which there are hundreds of different uh, requirements regulations and and different people that you're dealing with at these cities um, we have our in-house experts that have developed relationships with these these people that are over the the issuing of these sign permits and interpretation of their their local codes and we do have these relationships and notes with with each different city on who would prefer an email and who would who would require a phone call to get our answer um, so we do know kind of where our limits are we know which you know inspectors have cell phones and, and we'll use it when it's an absolute must if we need our answer so that's our go-to on the city side of things but then with the customer you know sometimes we do have to deliver the bad news you know that they're not going to be allowed what they want in this particular city and so it is time to think outside the box and potentially make a change to their design before we're even in the application process because we do know what those codes are for these cities now, sometimes these processes, as you mentioned, they can be a little slower than maybe the customer would like, and sometimes customers are a little too impatient. Can you give me a cautionary tale? Maybe recently, have you had any customers that sort of jumped the line a little bit or maybe uh, made their own choice in their process? Well, yeah, we had we had one recently here locally in North Texas where um, the customer went ahead with their building renovations with the idea and hope that they would be allowed to have larger signage, um, taller, higher up, further up on the building uh, to increase visibility near a major freeway. And what they did not know, what they did not ask before going into construction was that the roof line comes into play for this city and their signage could not go above their roof line on their parapet wall that they had just built up. Um, just because it's listed in the city's code, there's no exceptions to this going above the roof line. So now they're looking at a smaller sign further down on the building, and that's going to affect their visibility. Um, and I would have loved to have talked with them in their pre-planning stages before they even had the architect draw up the, the plans for their renovation. We could have 
potentially built out that built up that roof instead of creating the parapet and gotten what they wanted in the end. You run into that challenge a lot, I would imagine, and you want to maximize the visual impact of a signage, but you also have to take into account a a sort of organic integration when you're helping this customer plan how they're going to set this display. Yes, definitely. We need to be balancing, having an understanding of with the client up front about what their desires and needs for their signage program is as it relates to their brand. Um, and then we can know up front what the client requires or, or is hoping to get out of their signage program. And with our expertise in terms of city codes, and then also taking it a step further with our manufacturing and installation logistics, we can execute a signage program that's just going to run so much more smoothly and be that much more effective. Now, it seems like you and I have been talking about already existing businesses and buildings and changing signage, but what do you do when a, when a customer is moving? They're thinking about opening up a new location. Obviously, you have all the regulations that you have to, have to look at and you have to be aware of when you move into that location. Can those regulations be deal breakers for that customer? Yeah, they often can. Um, they knowing to get into the the right city early on in the leasing or or building process is crucial. I mean, we have certain cities here locally in North Texas where they restrict um, what colors can be on on the given sign. Um, you know, and then I mentioned earlier about the electronic message centers which is a big part of a lot of our customers' brand. They want to have those digital displays. And there are some cities that are just, you know, <laughs> diabolically opposed to the idea of having those, that type of signage in their town. Um, so, yeah, it, it, the earlier in the process that we can be looped in on potential sites, the better so that we can we can inform the customer if they might be better off just looking elsewhere, even just moving, you know, a couple of miles east or west of where they're where they're going so that they fall into another city's jurisdiction. Do you have a favorite sign that you've been able to work on? Oh, that's a good question. So I I have a favorite sign in town. It's an old neon sign. It's at a diner that's still open and operational, um, been open since the fifties. Um, I've never, we, we've never gotten to work on that one though. I don't think, but there's also a sub shop here in town that has an old sign that we actually manufactured it originally. Um, back when I, I probably wasn't even born yet, honestly. So let's step outside of DFW because I know that you keep your eye on trends that are happening across the country with regard to signage. And I know that, uh, that neon and, uh, has a special place. It's a, it's a, it, it really does have a certain, um, charm to it. Is there a sign you've seen around the country that you would like to build one similar to that using similar techniques in the, in the DFW area? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I'm I'm thinking of Times Square or maybe uh, I went to Shanghai when I was in college and they had the Pearl Tower and they had these elements on it that the light, you know, it, it changed uh, from one color to another just gradually. And, and I just, I love that technology. Um, I haven't really gotten to be a part of that here locally in the Metroplex the 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 changing of the 
of the color spectrum, which is just such a cool tool that we have now with the new technology that we didn't really have before. I'm going to ask you another, um, because I'm trying to get you permission to do really cool things. Um, How much would you love to be able to choose what gets put on the Reunion Tower Ball just for one day? Or one night, really. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Would, would, do you have any ideas? I mean, you obviously have, have given it consideration. Do you have any idea what you might put on there? Well, I'm thinking my husband is a huge Manchester United fan. I'm thinking I could, I could go somewhere with that and I'd be a hero for, for him. So, <laughs> Wife of the decade. Right. Wow. Okay. So since we're talking about taller structures, what's the tallest building you've been on the outside of? Oh, man, that's a tricky one because I am actually deathly afraid of heights. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I couldn't even really tell you. It's probably just a one story, honestly. I am just like, I have mad respect for the, our installers. Um, the things that they do on a daily basis go up on these, uh, you know, multiple story hotels and, and all of that and, and hanging off the side of these buildings um on swing stages and all of that it is really incredible so when the holiday season runs around you are not the first person to volunteer to hang the christmas lights or on the roof no i i don't even really want to put the what want to put the star on the top of the tree if i'm being honest so <laughs> i would expect nothing less than a very clear-headed and logical approach from you um i i as we're talking about that this is the point in the podcast where i get lazy actually <laughs> and i want to have you tell me what important question have i missed that we need to talk about today and what is the answer to that question well, um, I'm thinking along the lines of what does the customer need to consider up front regarding electrical requirements for their signs? Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about that. That's a good point. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. So, Courtney McDaniel, what sort of things do customers need to keep in mind when they first start a, a process like this. Of course, keeping in mind that it is better to include you in the process from way in the pre-planning. It's not a good idea to wait until the last minute to call you. And although you can come in late in the process and help save it, it's a lot easier to prevent it needing to be saved in the first place. Right. So one thing that's not totally related to permitting, but is very much a part of this due diligence planning phase in the early stages is going to be making sure that um, as a client who is requesting new signage that they are taking into consideration electrical, um, having electrical provided for that sign, whether it be on their building or, or out um, freestanding separate from the, from the building. Um, I've run into it a lot over the years where we are installing our sign, everything looks great, but there's no power there for the sign to connect into. Um, and it's it's been overlooked on the customer's end and it, it hasn't been run. And our sign installers can't typically run new circuits. They just tie into those existing within five or 10 feet. So having the customer budget this early on, especially for a new build, have the power there for us 
and then their sign's going to be lighting on day one instead of playing catch up with trying to to get all of that ironed out after the fact. How do you set realistic expectations for a customer who's really in a hurry? Because I'm I'm going to go ahead and assume you don't even start manufacturing the sign until the permits are approved because that, I mean, that's just common sense. Yeah, that's correct. So for the majority of situations, we're, we are at the mercy of these cities to get us back our comments and, or hopefully our approvals so that we can start the production process. And, and our clock for our shop time doesn't really start until we get that permit approval, which in some cities, unfortunately, can take weeks. Um, there was a situation recently up in the Northeast, actually, for one of our customers where there the city um, all signs had to go before board, so any permits that were applied for are denied upon receipt, and then they are scheduled for review like the following month, and then should should anything happen and they not have all of the representatives there at the board, they'll just delay you to the next month. So that's those are the kind of things that if we know up front with the due diligence and you know being in communication with our customers for which cities they're looking at going into, um, we can hopefully get the ball rolling earlier so that they're not open without signs because the city has some kind of crazy demands, basically. Well, today on the podcast, it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with Courtney McDaniel. She's the Director of Client Services for Keeper Starlight. I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's been my pleasure.